Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Remain standing with me, please, for the reading of God's Word, 2 Kings chapter 7. I want to preach to you today for a few moments on Hell's Gatekeeper. I believe there's a lot of people that stand in a gate and need to get out of the gate. God never called you to stand in the gate. He called you to get in or get out. It's like in the snow when you lived in the country. When you came in, you stayed in, but you weren't going to track mud in and out of the house. Talk to me, church. Would you take the word of God and hold the scriptures close to your heart? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help me pay attention. Help me, Heavenly Father, slide my feet under the master's table because I hear heaven calling, come and dine, come and dine, come and dine. I can't live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God, help me hear it, apply it, obey it, and be changed. Oh, God, touch me today to be what you have called me to be. Would you stretch your hands toward me? Heavenly Father, anoint me to preach. I pray your grace and face shine on me. I pray your glory overshadow me. Let your strength be revealed in me right now. I praise you. Clothe me in the same anointing that you clothed Christ with. I pray, Lord, that that anointing would be here today and heaven would preach through me. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Please remain standing. 2 Kings chapter 7, reading verses 1 through 2. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a, a shekel and a measure of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, even if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And Elisha said, In fact, you'll see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Look at verse 16 through 18. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians, so that a measure of flour was sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to it. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. This is an incredible story. It is unbelievable what God is able to accomplish in in one short telling. But they had in Samaria, the northern kingdom of Israel, a severe famine. It had become so severe, please forgive me, but they had resorted to cannibalism. There was just an unholy starvation on this city. The Syrians had besieged the city of Samaria. To destroy it, to starve them, to eliminate the Hebrews from their capital city. And so the king and those around him, including this officer, decided the best thing they could do to deal with their problem was kill the preacher. 
I'm personally offended. I don't know why when people have terrible things happening in their life, the first thing they want to do is have a preacher kill him. I'm serious. I've had people, their whole lives are falling apart, and their only thing they can think about is how mad they are at the preacher. Not at this church, of course. But there's such a difficulty with, with this misplaced anger. You bring about the judgment of God through your own rebellion. You do your own sin. And yet you want to find fault with the people of God that told you it was going to happen if you went down that road. That spirit of foolishness is on America right now. You can commit any crime you want to commit in some cities and get away with it. You can say anything about anybody that you want to say. You can destroy property. You can cause all kinds of mischief and animosity. But don't you dare be a Christian. The very solution to your life often is the very thing that you hate the most. They go down there to the prophet. And they start their argument. Prophet, hold on. Don't worry. Tomorrow, everything you desire will be sold for pennies in downtown Samaria. This sassy guard decides it's time to chime in. Well, even if God himself were to open up the windows of heaven, notice he was condescending, not to the prophet, condescending to God. He was saying, can God even do this? He said, even if God were able to open up the windows of heaven, how can this be? And the prophet sealed his judgment. He said, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. If you can't thank God before you get it, You'll watch somebody else get it. You see, the problem is you don't praise the Lord until you get what you're praying for. Pentecostal churches, we just praise the Lord. We're ready anytime He wants to bless us. Why? Because worship is an end within itself. We kind of ended up there, that's where we're going. We, we get stuff, but it leads us to praise. We pray, but it leads us to praise. We have destruction that's around us, but it leads us to praise. Why? Because praise is our destination. There's some people grumbling and complaining is their destination. Give them just a, an, an ounce of an opportunity, and the first words out of their mouth are going to be negative about somebody or something. But what that sassy soldier didn't know is right outside the gates of Samaria were four lepers. And those four lepers were starving with everybody else and dying of leprosy. And one of them stood up and gave the speech. You know, we're dying. We're going to die. Starvation or leprosy? I vote leprosy. Let's go surrender. We'll go surrender at the enemy's camp and maybe they'll feed us before we die. Hey, when you get down to nothing, God's up to something. 
God rewards the desperate. So these four lepers, they set out to surrender. But God performed a miracle. He multiplied the sounds of their footsteps so that they sounded like the armies of God. And the sound of their approach to the city was so terrifying and so loud that the Syrians became petrified and ran away from their camp leaving all of their garments, their equipment, their food, their livestock, all of it was left in the camp. I hope that when we get to heaven we can see a replay of the greatest events of Christian history. I want to see the replay of this moment when these lepers walked in. We surrender. Hello? We give up. We're not going to fight anymore. See if y'all can find somebody to surrender to. (laughs) We surrender. And then after about 10 minutes of this, I think one of those geniuses, I think they're gone. Ah, they're gone. Chicken leg, steak, biscuits and gravy. (laughs) They started putting on clothes. Before they were finished, they looked like the pirates of the Caribbean. They had hats stacked up. They had coats on. They had the shoes. They were eating. They were feasting. They were enjoying themselves. Can't believe this. This is awesome. You know, we do wrong. Let's go up to the city and tell the king that their prayers have been answered. The camp is abandoned. The food is plenty. They go up there and they tell the king. And the king puts that soldier in charge of the gate. Being in charge of a gate does not mean you should be in the gate. If you have a rowdy crowd that wants to get somewhere, just open the gate and run. Bob Trejo put me in charge of the children for the Easter egg hunt one year. And he wanted me to give them a prayer and instruction before they went and collected their eggs. I said, not a problem. I'm going to drive them crazy. I took that megaphone. What we have today is an Easter egg hunt. Which means you will notice that in this field there are lots and lots of eggs thrown all over the place. You are going to take the basket that's at your side, go out into the field, not violently, not throwing elbows, not picking on one another. You will go out into the field and you will collect eggs for which we will give you candy and prizes. Now before we do this, I want to give you some careful instruction on how you collect Easter eggs. The first thing that you have to do is you have to identify which egg it is that you want to collect and go toward that egg. You can do that by jogging lightly, maybe a short little run, or you can walk. Let me demonstrate the walk, the jog, and the run for you. 
By this time, the children are in open rebellion. I continue to do this until they are booing me openly. Finally, Pastor Bob, you know what happened? The Easter egg hunt started without me. Those children were trampling me in the gate because I stood between them and the reason that they showed up. Listen to me, Pentecostal pastor. They don't come to your church to identify with your cute approach to programs. They don't come to your church to see how cool your praise team is. They come to the church to get in touch with God. And the problem with the Pentecostal church is we become Pharisees. We prevent them from getting to God because we ourselves have not entered in to the glory of God. You need to get out of the gate and let the people get to the altar of God and let them encounter the divine because I believe that people show up when he shows up and when God is in the house chase God with all of your heart pursue him with all of your strength and understanding there are too many people that stand like gatekeepers in the church you try and pray they want to tell you how you do it wrong you try and read the scriptures they want to tell you how you're doing it wrong you can't get anything right so you just quit Jesus said to the Pharisees, you stand like a border bully. You won't enter in and you prevent others from entering in. You you prevent revival because you're a hell's gatekeeper. You need to let people chase God. Pastor, I'm not sure I like the way those kids come down to the altar during worship. You don't know what hell we had to go through to get them up here in the altar. Somebody talk to me. I don't like the way some of those young people bounce around, do those rap songs. I don't know why we have to sing that way or bounce that way. I don't know why you have to get so full of excitement and worship while you're in church. I bind that spirit on you in the name of Jesus. Who are you to judge everybody who's starving to death trying to get to the bread that's in Bethlehem? They just want to get to God and you want to tell them what's wrong with them? Well, it's not the way I like it. Well, heaven knows that you should be on God's throne. I don't know who I'm talking to, but it sure is fun being sassy with you. (laughs) Don't prevent people. When people are passionately pursuing God, when they're after what God's put in their life, be careful when you start judging them. Hell's gatekeeper does another thing that I hate. Please forgive me for using that word, but God says there are some things that he hates, and I agree with God. Hell's gatekeepers not only prevent revival, they promote rebellion. Absalom was a gatekeeper. The Bible says he stood in the gate of David and flattered people who were found guilty in judgment. And there's a lot of hell's gatekeepers. You know what you do? You call everybody who's leaving God or the church or both. And you want to make sure that they know that you love them. Nobody cares if you love them when they're going to hell. You can't save them. You didn't die for them. What they need to do is go back to the altar and restore their relationship with the one that really loves them. 
If you see somebody on the wrong road and you don't say something to them, their blood will be on your hands. But hell's gatekeepers are always hanging around in the gate flattering people who are on the highway to hell. Acting like you're just a good friend. I'm just trying to be a good friend. No, let me, let me tell you something. If you're stabbing Pastor Gary in the back, I want you to know something about this pastor. I am great in a knife fight. You don't turn on my brothers and sisters and think I'm going to be happy with you. You come to me and tell me something about him, I'll send you to him. I don't need to be your gatekeeper. I'm not standing between you and all your drama. That's all right. Get quiet, Dominic. There's a lot of gatekeepers. Well, I'm just trying to be friends with this one, friends with that one. Listen, if you wear a gray coat and blue trousers to the battle, you're going to get shot in both ends. Whose side are you on? Which team are you going to play on? Your gatekeeper, halfway in, halfway out, one week in church, next week in rebellion. I would that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, eventually I'm going to spew you right out that door. Talk to me, church. The difficulty with a lot of people is you haven't decided which team you're on. And when it comes time to be at the gate, you're standing in the gate, and that gate is going to get you killed. You better get in the city or you better get in the enemy's camp taking back what he stole from you. But don't you dare stand between the people of God and their destination. Somebody talk to me today. Praise God. Praise God. Ultimately, what went wrong in this guy's life was when he heard the promise of God, he ran his yapper. Can I give you a piece of advice? When in doubt, shut up. Don't say anything. If we could ever get a bit in the horse's mouth, we can control where the horse goes. And if God could ever get control of that unruly mouth of yours, you'd be shocked at what God can do in your life. You know what ticks me off is they were going down there to kill the prophet because he was right about the famine. He said, God's going to judge you. There's going to be a famine. He was right. They got mad. They're going to kill him. They're going down there because the guy was accurate in prophesying the famine was coming. And yet, when the same prophet who was right prophesied that tomorrow the famine's going to be over, he rejected it. Why is it you find it easier to believe the bad thing and not believe the good thing? Why is it that you find it easier to complain than to praise the Lord? Why is it that you find it so much easier to grumble and murmur in the tents as those that died in the wilderness? than it is to just glorify God and praise God. If somebody comes to you and says to you, tomorrow, God's going to get rid of the virus. Praise the Lord. Pastor, what if they're wrong? 
I don't care. I'm still going to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I don't have to judge every good thing that comes into my life. The problem with a lot of people is you get a word from God and you rebuke it like it's a demon. Trying to get my hopes up. Tell me God's going to do this for me. How can God supply all my needs? I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. I'm so tired of the people of God believing the devil before they believe God. Believing the bad report before they believe the good report. Trusting in things that go wrong and never having confidence in what can go right. I bind that spirit of pessimism in the name of Jesus. And I ask God to give you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. To cast the devil of grumbling right out of your mouth. When Grace Higgins, a hero in my life, was diagnosed with cancer. Her first response, praise the Lord. Ma'am, I'm not sure you understood what I just said. No, no, no. I've been preparing for this day my whole life. Why would I fall apart now? If I praised him yesterday, I can praise him right now. Stop stabbing people in the back with your words of gossip, your malicious fear, your anger, and your frustration. Stop taking your words and throwing them around like daggers to everybody that's around you. Get control of your mouth and make yourself glorify God because when you speak right, it will sanctify your heart and it will change the atmosphere in your life. You literally sow seeds of life or death with every word you speak. Jesus said, by your words you will be justified, by your word you will be condemned. You will give an account for every idle word you speak. Because your words are like God's words. In the beginning God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he created us in his image. Which means our words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You need to speak life. You need to speak the word of God. You need to bless your house and not curse it. Bless your business and not curse it. Bless your babies and not curse them. Your whole life is living up to the sum total of your words. You need to take your words and begin to speak life. God's going to do this. Tomorrow, about this time, everything you covet will be sold for pennies. You know what God does when he's going to bless your life? He gives you a tomorrow. When you're stuck in today, you might as well complain. But when you have a tomorrow, I'll show you what I mean. Let's take a little vote. We're going to vote between the beach or the mountains. How many of you are beach people? All right, we've got the beach club. All right, how many of you are mountain people? All right. Yeah, here we go. All right, beach people. We're going to give you, let's, let's say somebody said, we're going to give you the whole month of September to the Caribbean island of your choice with $10,000 in your pocket. 
and all expenses paid at a high dollar resort. Talk to me. Yeah. Starting to sway. Already. Yeah. Hearing that music. Now, to my mountain people, let's go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Come on with me. Let's get those steaks right off the, the ranch from the... Yeah, we'll, we'll get the cabin of our choice overlooking those mountain peaks. Everything paid for $10,000 in our pocket. Ready for our vacation in September. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If I know September, I'm headed to one of those two destinations. I guarantee you something that's happened on August 31st. I'm not sleeping. Your babies aren't sleeping. Why? We have a tomorrow. August 31st, I'm hugging everybody. I'm hugging people at Walmart. I'm high-fiving. I'm paying for gas tanks. Lord bless me. It feels like Christmas. You can't get me down on August 31st. Why? I've got a tomorrow. Well, listen to me, church. Tomorrow, God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Tomorrow, all things are going to work together for the good to them that love the Lord, to them that are thee called according to his purpose. Tomorrow, Jesus is coming out of the grave, carrying keys to death, hell, and the grave. Tomorrow, he's going to save you and your house. Tomorrow, by his stripes, you will be healed. Tomorrow, God's going to put it all back together again. Tomorrow, there's going to be a trumpet sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those that are alive and remain shall be called up to meet him in the air. There's going to be a great getting up morning in a city whose builder and maker is God. Better than any ocean resort. Better than any mountain cabin. I've got a mansion in glory and I can't wait until I see my king. I want you to stand with me all over the house and lift your voices with me. And let's magnify God and thank Him that tomorrow everything's going to be all right. So today, today my words will be gratitude and not grumbling. I will not be a gatekeeper that prevents revival or promotes rebellion. Lives halfway in the kingdom and halfway in the world. I will not waste my words with my own disappointments. No, I'll take those words. And I'm going to change the way I think. Pastor, I've got to think right before I can speak right. Nope, you got it backwards. You're going to have to speak the word of God. When the devil comes against you, you've got to quote the word of God and make the devil listen to what your mouth does to glorify God. Devil will crawl all over you. You're not worthy. You know what kind of heathen you are. You don't deserve to go to that altar. You don't deserve to be in this church. I bind that spirit of shame in the name of Jesus. I'm not a I'm not ashamed. I'm I'm a son. I watched a video of I think it's Phil Robertson, the founder of Duck Dynasty. He was out there in his fishing boat in that swamp. 
And he says, I don't get caught up in all the drama, politics, and all the hatred in our country right now. Worried about whether or not this country is going to be socialist or capitalist. I don't get caught up in that. Because I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. If I have money, I'm content. If I'm poor, I'm content. I don't need what this world has. For Paul tells us the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get out of the gate. Come into the Father's house. The Master's calling. Come and dine. I bless you. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine on you and give you peace. I ask God to give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And as I finish this blessing, I want you to know that when I dismiss, you'll leave with this favor. But if you need extra prayer or want prayer just in general, please come to the altar. My wife and I, we covet time with you. You don't spend enough time with us. And we would love to see more of you in this altar. And so if you'll take just a few minutes, my wife and I will pray for everyone that comes to the altar. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoy Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.